Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, April 21st, 2022. Hard to believe we're already almost through the month of April. It is hard to believe. And uh, it is Guest Thursday. Usually, if you're just tuning in to SWAT uh, Radio, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And on Thursdays, it's our guest day where we usually bring somebody in who uh, has had an influence in the kingdom, um, whether it's local national international it doesn't matter somebody who's living for christ that we want to talk and get some perspective from and today we're very blessed to have jerry rouse in our studio jerry uh, is a guy that goes to the church i go to he preaches at that church as well and um you know i i get the privilege of calling him not only a brother in christ but a local brother who is in the same congregation, and he has been uh, somebody that I have looked to and and had a great um, appreciation for as he's walked through some very difficult times that he'll share some today. And like me, he's just an old redneck, right, Jerry? Right, I am. <laughs> yeah. So, am. Jerry, instead of being a southern redneck like me, Jerry is a hillbilly from Appalachia, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> right, right along the Appalachian Trail somewhere? Well, close to it. Yeah. I, grew, I grew up in Bristol, Tennessee, which is uh, just right in the very northeastern part. Uh, in fact, Bristol is a city that's half in Tennessee and half in Virginia. Okay. Uh, and there's a little... Uh, mountain range there called the Holston Mountains that come off the Appalachians. So I am a, I am a East Tennessee hillbilly. Well, my mom and dad will appreciate. They listen, and they're they're in Mississippi along with other people listening on WMER. So I'm sure they'll appreciate. One of the things I like about you, Jerry, is you, you and you and me are kind of what I call Mayberry RFD kind of people. You know, a lot of people, if you've never seen that show out there, if you're under 30, you probably don't know what that means unless you go to TV land. Sometimes you can watch it. But uh, there was something special about uh, Mayberry uh, that that I think you and I got to experience growing up in community, right? Yes, I, I grew up in a, a little community outside of Bristol, and my roots are very country. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, more country than even my kids realize sometimes um but i'm grateful for that just that helped to shape a lot of my values and my perspective my spiritual life and all that so uh yeah i no matter i bet what, like me you had to use an outhouse probably I, we had an outhouse until i was until i was a freshman in high school yeah a lot of folks don't understand how and appreciate how good they have it to go to a flushing toilet because well, they've never had to go to an outhouse. And, like and one of the big events in our neighborhood was on uh, on Halloween to see whose outhouse might accidentally get pushed <laughs> over. <laughs> well, we you know I know one of the things that you reference a lot is the kind of the community aspect of where you grew up, which is the way it was where I was. I mean my my neighbors would uh, correct us. And get on to us as children. They they felt a freedom to kind of police the neighborhood that you don't see that today, do you? You don't see that today. And frankly, that's part of what God has used to shape me to be who I am. Uh, my dad was the oldest of eight kids. And 
within our community i had i had 32 first cousins oh my goodness wow. and, and my grandma and grandpa we called them mamaw and papa that's, that's what we a, call that's, that. a, that's, that's what, a southern thing yeah, i know that's what we call my mom and dad but, uh they they were really the matriarch and patriarch of the family they influenced my life uh, very very greatly and uh my life really rotated around the little community school the store and the church that's the same way and you know what i bet like us every sunday we went to one grandma's house one sunday we'd go to one the next sunday we'd go to the other that's exactly with me we gather at uh mamo rouse's house and have a great big feed you know lots of food and then the the men would go outside and pitch horseshoes the kids we play in the creek and chase and argue with one another it was a great life that's that's what we did and it, it, it's a very different time today um as you as you look at the culture today compared to then uh, what goes through your mind i mean as as a as a guy who who grew up with that and who loves the Lord and I'll get you to share your spiritual journey okay. in a minute, okay. but just from a pure cultural standpoint, what goes through your mind when you see our world today? Dale? Well, you know, to, to use one word that comes to mind is just decline. I mm-hmm. think our, I think our culture, there's some good things about our culture, but the, uh, the change, the negative change that's happened in the last 30, 40, 50 years it, I still can't get my head around it. It's just absolutely, in terms of values, uh, social mores and behaviors, uh, you know, all of that. It, it's just very, very different. And you can go down many different tracks there. Disintegration of the family. Uh, I think church has changed a lot. And pastoring has changed a lot in the last 40 or 50 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's... Um, and I don't Even think, family. I mean, well, the I whole heard, idea of a family has completely well, been redefined in well, our culture today. Many, many would say the nuclear family is dead, you mm-hmm. know, just gone. And uh, I'm not a good statistician, but the st- statistics are just pretty alarming when you look at the breakdown just at many, many levels, uh, not just a family, but in education and, and whole political sphere and so on. In our, in our community where I grew up, People who made no pretense to be, quote, religious or Christian, you still saw them basically being pretty honest. Well, they had pretty good moral values based right. on biblically-based values, yeah. even though they weren't maybe believers, right? Right, right. Uh, honesty, you could trust them. Uh, we had some really good neighbors who uh, never made any claim of, of spiritual things, but uh, people that we really loved and just they, decent they, people they give you the shirt off their back they work work together and we're missing a lot of that we build our fences and stay in our private little worlds well when you grew up up in that little appalachian rural area um what was your family life spiritually like i uh, well the whole the not only my immediate family but the extended family uh really had strong christian roots um I would say I was raised in a Christian family. My family was far from perfect, uh, but uh, Dad was—he uh, was the breadwinner, the worker. My mom worked. There were five of us kids that grew up. Four of us that grew up together, and a brother that came later. But uh, we we're sort of typical in that regard. But uh, I can't remember a time that we weren't in church. Uh, there were times that I, I wish there had been more spiritual depth in my family. Uh, I used to, uh, but 
boy, when when the church doors were open, the Rouse family was there Sunday morning, uh, Sunday night youth group, Sunday night service, Wednesday night prayer meeting, and the little church I went to was sort of a revivalistic church. We had uh, it grew it. It's, it got planted out of tent meetings. Yes, sir. And uh, that sort of thing. So I used to tease my mom and dad that I was, I'm sure I was conceived after a church service. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny well um did did you find yourself kind of with a christian inoculation from that i that's a good that's a good word and i've used that before uh, i think that's true to some degree i was um oh, I, I i knew for a kid i knew a lot of biblical information uh went to bible school and we stood up and quoted whole psalms and scriptures and so on uh, the church, while it was a good Bible-oriented church, had some pretty legalistic tendencies. So if you had asked me, now, here's somebody who grew up in a church, pretty tight-knit community, a Christian family. If you'd asked me when I was 13 or 14 what a Christian was, I would have said, well, a Christian is somebody who doesn't drink, dance, smoke, run around, you know, those negative kinds of things. Or chew or dance girls that do, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> date, we were, date girls we were, that do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dancing was anathema. You yeah. Know, we were, I, I grew up thinking that well, if you go to a dance, somebody's going to get pregnant. You know, that's, that's, that's what dancing does. So huh. it was that. Uh, and yet I look back now, and even with those deficiencies, there were a lot of things that were right. Some of the big things that have, have formed my spiritual foundation really came from that country church. Me too, I, in the sense that I I grew up going to a little small church, and, uh, you know, in some sense, looking back today, I would say a lot of legalistic stuff attached to it. Right. But they taught me the scriptures. Yes. And they taught me the gospel as far as Jesus and the and, and him being Messiah and stuff. And, uh, it, you know, I, I, and I try to tell people a lot of times that, you know, we look for perfection or we complain because we, we we don't see what God's doing, but he brings us all up in our own individual environments yes. to use us where he wants to use us mm-hmm. and connect us in ways that, because I'll tell you, growing up in that, those kind of churches, I can walk into there and I sense, I know what it's like. Yeah. Today, I can go in a church and I can tell you a church like that because that's what I grew up in. Right, right. And yet, I take a message that's a little different than the message I received. Mm-hmm. It's a little focus. The focus is different, you know. And so, uh, I I certainly appreciate that. Well, I when we come back, I want to I want to hear how God pulled the veil off to really get into Jerry's life, okay. and then how He drew you into ministry good because that's another step that's a whole whole big step yeah yeah. you know and so uh we're going to go to a break here and uh and if you're just tuning in you're listening to swat radio swat stands for spiritual warriors advancing truth you can go to our website www.swatradio.com and click on the meetings link and see where we do SWAT Bible studies in town. SWAT Radio spawned out of SWAT Bible studies, and we do five Bible studies plus a Zoom study each week. And you can get more info for that by going to www.swatradio.com. We have Jerry Rouse in the studio today. Jerry uh, preaches at Pontevedra Prez every now and then. He is a uh, brother out there at that church and, and has a long history of preaching. 
And we're going to hear more from Jerry when we come back from this break. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and I have Jerry Rouse in the studio today with me. Hey, if you are in Jacksonville, Florida, or even if I don't care if you're outside of Jacksonville, if you have a church, if you're a pastor listening, and you want somebody to come share with your people uh, that would absolutely uh, be a true to the gospel biblical preacher jerry is that guy and he has a life story that not only displays that he really believes what he preaches he has modeled what it means to follow christ through some very difficult times and he'll tell you he's not perfect like none of us are but he loves the lord he loves his word and he loves people and i can absolutely attest to that and so if you would like to try to get in touch with Jerry, you can just send me an email at Doug at SWATradio.com. I'll be happy to pass that on to him. Uh, he, he'd be great to have come speak at a men's thing if you do a men's breakfast or something like that. He's right here in Jacksonville, Florida. For those that listen in Mississippi or Virginia, he might even come up there. You might have to coax him a little bit. Right. Virginia would be pretty close to home, though. It's not, to too, home. Not, not too far. But, Jerry... Uh, how growing up in a Christian home, sometimes I'm, I use the word inoculated or earlier. Sometimes you, you get kind of feeling like you're a Christian when your heart really hasn't been captured mm-hmm. and you alluded to it, just knowing it in the, you know, this stuff, when did he capture your heart? It's sort of a process. Sometimes people talk about their conversion experience and so on. Uh, I could not tell you when I became a Christian. I can't remember in my life a time that I didn't know, didn't know the Lord or know about Him. Uh, our church was pretty revivalistic, and so we had a lot of invitations and so on. And some of that was emotional stuff, but 
um, I really wanted to follow the Lord. I don't know. I don't know when I was converted along there. Uh, sometimes I say some people have a conversion experience that is punctiliar. It's a point. It's, it's almost like Paul it's on a the point road in to Damascus. Time. I kind of like can, right. They can define when and where and circumstances. That's not true for me. Other people's experience is more linear. And and my my conversion experience, I'm sure from God's standpoint, there was a time when I crossed over the line, but uh, it was more of a growth experience uh, for me. And and that's probably more the norm, wouldn't you say? I, possibly so. Because yeah. I, but yeah. I, other than the fact that through what I call our modern evangelism methods and the the crusadism kind of stuff, we've kind of facilitated a point in time instead yeah. of uh, really growing people in, teaching our kids, discipling them, and then God just doing a work in their heart right. one night. By the, time, by the time I was a sophomore or junior in high school, I knew there was more, uh, that I wanted more mm-hmm. uh, of this whole Christian thing. Again, I knew some of the outlines and the structure, but uh, there was a loneliness inside, a sort of an emptiness. Mm-hmm. And uh, of all things, I, I went to a, uh, our church had a summer camp kind of thing I went to, and there was a, a missionary guy there, very unlikely-looking fella, you know, um, sort of uh, short and heavy set and balding, but he was a missionary, and he, he just he saw the need in me and pulled me aside and just began to nurture me, uh, and and that's where I, I really began to grow. The, the, so the last year, so he two, discipled you, really. He, he did in a, in short term, and then when he left, he continued that, and and it really just Dougie got me into scripture. Now I'd been in the scripture, you know, but probably for the wrong reasons. But I really, uh, as I got into the scripture and started studying and so on, that void inside me began to fill. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful thing, and uh, I had up until middle high school, my my childhood ambition had been to be a veterinarian, uh, and I, I still like to. I don't do that, but I, I still mm-hmm. like that yeah. whole thing. But um, I started to grow, and it, again, in our little tight knit community, sort of the unspoken expectation was that if you were a quote good Christian kid, you would go to a certain little Bible college that was nearby. And that's what I did. It was expected. But yet, as I look back, God's hand was on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a magical potion of any kind. But uh, I went there, and through that experience, just uh, really started to mature and grow uh, more. And when I was um, when I was a junior in that it was a small school, probably not the strongest school academically. Yeah, uh, I still I struggled through the years with. Uh, but see, in our in, in my background, in, in my church background, if you went to a state university, that was really looked on negatively. You'd lose your faith. And this that, is back then, oh, right? Back then. I mean, this, this is back. This, I mean, now this, it's ten times worse. Yeah, this right? in the early sixties. Yes, uh, that uh, you would. So, so that was very negative. And so, if you were faithful, you'd skip all that and go to this little college. Um, but my third year there. There was a uh, a little independent Bible church, uh, not too far away, that was without a pastor, and they asked me to come and, and be their. I was a student pastor, but I was all they had. And Betty and I, my wife Betty and I, were dating at that time, so I spent two almost two years, my last two years in college, pastoring this little 
Bible church of about 80 and 90, 100 people. And I'll tell you, Doug, that, that was a turning point in my life. God, God just used that because I preached on Sunday. Now, I look back and I say, oh, man, I made so many mistakes. Those country folks, they didn't know and they didn't care. They just loved us. They wanted somebody they, to shepherd them, right. didn't they? And so I preached on Sunday morning, taught adult Sunday school, preached Sunday night. Betty and I sponsored a youth group. <laughs> And and I visited in homes during the week, and and I made twenty five dollars a week. Oh my goodness! And uh, but that's that's where the heart for becoming a pastor really formed in me. I loved it, made lots of mistakes, but uh, uh, it, it was it was just a good experience. And even to this day, uh, though I'm not actively pastoring. I love preaching and, and teaching and so on, but I still want to be, I, I want to walk in people's homes a little bit. I want to see how the family functions. I want to pray with people. I want to go in the hospital rooms. Well, that's the shepherd's heart, well, that's isn't the it? But that's where it developed is in that little church. Uh, what, what do you say to, I, I, there's a very, 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 <laughs> I can't say very enough popular preacher in our culture who said the shepherd model is dead in America. And and he said uh, that that American churches really need a CEO model. What do you, what do you say to that, Jerry? As I, a guy who's I, walked through as a shepherd for many years. Well, this is this is just my opinion now, but I, I don't understand. I don't like it at all. Uh, I've had some some almost argumentation with people in the past over that thing because I I was uh, in a church some years ago where the uh, the business model was sort of being hoisted upon the church and there's some things there that can apply i don't i don't discount all of that but i i think people need shepherding today not controlling not heavy-handed but loving-hearted uh weep with those who weep uh, laugh with those who laugh rejoice they need that kind of shepherding that's part of what's wrong with the church today i think uh, it's become uh, very depersonalized and I'm afraid that many churches have even unknowingly been super influenced by the business model. Well, because it, it, it in our culture, it seems very attractive. Oh, sure. And, uh, but, but I agree with you. I, I, I don't know how you dismiss the shepherd model when the shepherd's used so many times throughout scripture. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just such a, a caring model. Whereas, mm-hmm. Not when I think of a CEO, even if you read Jim Collins' book from Good to Great, a servant guy, you still think a guy who's motivated by money or motivated by you know the business success, yeah, yeah. and instead of somebody who's serving to care for people. And and some of that business model, some of it works in the church. If you're looking to quote grow the church and draw people, some of that works. But uh, and and I don't. I don't want to depreciate that too much because God has used some of the, the larger mega. Well, he'll ministers. use it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't even uh, Granted, when you get larger, you, you do have to have structures in sure, place because sure. you, you can't do things. But it's just I, that whole idea. You know, somebody told me this about Charles Spurgeon years ago that uh, Charles Spurgeon had 6,000 people in his church at this peak. He could tell you every person's name, wow. their child's name, yeah. 
Every yeah. person yeah. and their child. I mean, think about what that took yeah. to be able to know. And a guy in the Middle East one time, Jerry, told me that uh, he was a shepherd, and he said, there are some shepherds over there that have 2,000 sheep in their fold, and they can tell you every sheep by running their hand on the back of their neck, and they know them by the touch. Yeah. Now, that's the heart of the shepherd for his sheep to know them like that, yeah. right? Yeah. So I don't know that it's necessarily the size as much as it is the model we've kind of gone right. to yeah. and and we've kind of depersonalized it. But I want to get back to you. You went to Trinity Evangelical, and I'd ask you earlier if you knew Robert Coleman, yes. who was a dear brother I got to meet and spend time with, and boy, what a great man of prayer. Strong missions-minded yes. man. Well, he wrote a book called The the Master Plan right. of Evangelism, one of the best little booklets I've ever read on evangelism. been around for many, many years. Yeah. 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 And so you were very blessed to go up there, man. I, that, that was good. I was. Um, let's see. I, I started there in all things in 1966 and was there three years, 69, uh, newly married. I was in kindergarten then. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, uh, n- newly married, but uh, just a great experience. And uh, that seminary is owned and operated by a little group called the Evangelical Free Church of America. And that's actually where I've pastored most of my pastoral life. Uh, very conservative, uh, not not extremely well known in the South. There may be 20 or 30. Well, Sunrise out at the beach is a free church. Right. I preach there. And, uh-huh. and, and many... Not just there, but many churches are dropping the the, the nom- denominational label and so on. Well, yeah. Well, Chuck yeah. Swindoll was at E Free Fullerton for a he, long time. Long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good. Well, listen, we got to go to our break for the news uh, coming up. When we come back, I, I would love for you to kind of um, talk a little bit about what God taught you over the years as a shepherd. Okay. Some of the takeaways, and then I want you to talk about your own journey. Uh, with your sweet wife Betty, and um, and how God's deepened your own faith and trust in Him through some difficult stuff. Okay. Okay. Good. Deal. Uh, all right. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. If you want to listen to this or any past program, you can go to www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com, and click on the past programs link. We'll be right back after the news with more of Jerry Rouse on SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. trying to tell everybody about the somebody who can change their life i hope that's you too uh my name's doug mccary and i'm uh, from his light ministries and this is swat radio and uh, i have the privilege today of having not only my fellow brother in the lord my fellow preaching team buddy richard said we're on a preaching team i like that Hmm. that's uh i like being on the team with you and richard uh committed men to the gospel because we live in a time unfortunately where there's a lot of gospel confusion 
and people add stuff to the gospel. I was talking about that last week about, and even a couple of weeks ago, because we were looking at the whole thing in Acts chapter 15, the council dealing with stuff. And, you know, I said today, nobody's going to try to get you circumcised, but today they're going to tell you you have to be baptized or right. you're going to have to be part of this church or, or you better live right. Cause if you don't live right, then you, it's gone away, you know, and they, they add a lot of stuff to it. And Jerry, I've, I've always appreciated that about you, that you preach the gospel of grace. Mm-hmm. It comes through loud and clear every time you preach. And, you know, you came out of Trinity and you were pastors, and I know you were a pastor in Missouri and, and Minnesota, which whew, cold up there. Cold, cold. <laughs> cold, cold. And then uh, were you at Sunrise at Atlantic Beach or were you at another church? No, I was at, I was at Sunrise Church. Were you there before six, Halstead or after Halstead? After Halstead. Okay. I was there for six years. Okay, oh, so okay. I preached there when Halstead was there, and I okay. preached there when Kegel was there, but I oh, didn't okay. preach there when y'all did. <laughs> okay. I didn't know you. Didn't I didn't know that. That's no. crazy. No. Well, uh, well, yeah, so that that's a good little church in, uh, in, in Atlantic Beach. And, uh, and uh, you now – and then you – uh, ended up at Ponte Vedra Press, where I'm at, and uh, and it's been a pleasure having you there to preach. And I know as a preacher, um, if you're like me, sometimes it's hard to go to church and listen to somebody else preach because it's hard not to see the text in your own mind and mm-hmm. to think right. through it, right? I mean, right. It, it, preachers true. are the hardest people mm-hmm. to preach to. Sometimes because they they think our, our minds are always thinking theologically. We're thinking how does it tie together and and what are some lessons that you've learned over the years as both a shepherd and now as somebody who goes and and listens and grows from not you're you're, you're not doing it near as much anymore. What are some lessons you've learned? Well, that's uh, I have to think through that a little bit. Um, one one thing that I think of is that, and God knows my heart here. I love the church, the the, the church of Christ. Very, I'm, I'm not talking about a particular church, just the universal church. I love the church, mm-hmm. and uh, I I struggle when people try to separate Jesus from the church. I've had people say, "Well, I I like Jesus, but the church is full of hypocrites." You know that whole. Uh, so I I love the church. My heart beats for the church. Sometimes I cry over the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, with some of the uh, struggles and, and difficulties, um, when I was a when I was a young pastor, Doug, just starting out, really green behind the, the gills, um, I, I can just admit it here. I, I had to struggle a lot with wanting to be appreciated, wanting to be liked. Uh, I went to a, in Missouri. I was in a I went to a home Bible study of thirty people, and the church started out of that as a university town and god really blessed that ministry we were there 19 years and in a way it's still my first love so but the church grew leaps and bounds and uh that sort of went to my head a little bit and i i burned the candle at both ends trying to prove what a good pastor i could be and so on and um if I could go back and do it over, I would. Uh, I'd handle some of that really differently. But God, it's a little different than pastoring ninety people up in the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, yeah, it? it really, it really is. Um, but uh, if I could go back, I would. Uh, I would. I would be bolder, you know, in terms of uh, expectations of people. Something I struggle with today. People talk about the lack of commitment. 
Well, we don't ask for commitment from people. We don't expect much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we make it easy for people to be spectators, you know, kind of thing. Um, and looking back, the thing I truly enjoy about church life is preaching. I wish I was a lot better at it. I really do. And, and if somebody had told me when I was in high school that I'd be standing up regularly in front of people and, and preaching, I'd have been a good suicide candidate. I'm not kidding. <laughs> shy bashful backward but god just brought me out of that and brought me through that so i love preaching i love the scripture i love reading i love studying but i'm not one just to lock myself in the office for 40 50 hours a week i I want to study i want to pray if i could go back i would i'd cultivate a a greater prayer life and Mm. and i don't i don't say that to sound good but i really mean that um I think prayer has sometimes gotten a short shrift in my it, life. It's one of the most challenging things that I found in ministry to really be committed to praying because our lives get very busy with right. ministry activities, right? right? The tyranny of the urgent uh, creeps in uh, so so much. But I love, I, I love preaching and I love being with people. Uh, just those two together, I've... Uh, in the university setting years ago, I got involved in quite a bit of uh, pastoral counseling. There are times it went to my head a little bit too much, but um, enjoyed that. And I think even today there's still a good need, a big need for a strong Christian counseling. But uh, just connecting with people in a real, real way is important. What I've done, Doug, through the years, and this is simple, but as I think as I think about the pastoral role and uh, – how I would prioritize things. Um, when I was young, I thought I could do everything. And uh, the Lord had to shake me a little bit and say, no, your, your, your role is not to, to do the ministry, to do all the ministry. Your role is to equip others to do the ministry. Mm-hmm. So I would, right now, in terms of three or four priorities for me, if I were pastoring full-time, number one would be the pulpit ministry. I don't think that's everything uh, I, I think church needs many, many things, youth ministry, education, outreach, all sorts of things. But I still think in our culture today, for a lot of people, the pulpit ministry is still a point of entry in the front door. Mm-hmm. So I, I want, I've wanted the pulpit ministry to be as strong uh, as it could. Uh, secondly, I, I, want, I want to be a pastor who casts the vision. Mm-hmm. Now, I've struggled with that some. Uh, that was uh, new to me when I first got the concept. But, And, and I don't think the past, senior pastor uh, casts all the vision. He doesn't do it as a, as a lone ranger, as a solo. But I think, I think the buck does stop with him. Mm-hmm. I think he has to, to cast the vision with other leaders and that, that tight-knit group. I have to keep reminding the church of who are we? How are we different from the world? Why are we here? How's God designed us? How's God gifted us to make a difference? Uh, I think you just have to keep banging on that in a loving way, time after time after time, casting the vision. Uh, and then thirdly, working working with the leadership, you know, whether you call them elders or deacons or trustees or leadership board or ministry team or whatever. Uh, I have, uh, I've been blessed through the years to have a few, not many, but a few people around me uh, who've pretty much held me accountable. I've learned a lot from them, some of them very, very mature people. And uh, 
I can say to this day, even in ministry, I'm not good by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Lone Ranger Christianity is a contradiction. It don't work so very we, well. We need we need one another. Yeah. So and and then from that, you know, as as you have time as you can, uh, you, you do the common pastoral ministry uh, kinds of things. You know, weddings, funerals, but the larger church becomes there's some of that you have to farm out and and well I, I think one of the things that um you you hit on o is that leadership development working with those church leaders is such a key part uh well they all are important vision casting if you don't have a vision people if they the, the vision ought to be we ought to be reaching the world for christ but right. the pastor has to be the point guy right leading that and so i i think those are all good well as you've stepped back now, like when you stepped down uh, at uh, Sunrise, and um, you've you've been a guy in the pew, so to speak, on the other end uh, for for some of the time when yeah. I when I left the the full time pastorate, I did a couple of long term interim pastorates. I oh, pastored okay. for uh, a year and a half in Kansas City and a couple of years in uh, Southern Minnesota. So. Uh, I didn't know that. So did you go? So you lived there, or did you commute? Lived, we lived there. We kept our home here, uh-huh. but Betty and I moved there. And uh, one of those churches, especially, had a had had a pastor for twenty years, dearly loved, healthy church, uh, good, good, strong church. But the pastor died, and uh, people were heartbroken. And uh, so they asked me to come and be. And by the way, I, I I think there's a good place for interim pastor ministries today especially where there's been a long-term pastor and that pastor leaves, uh, oftentimes the church needs to discover who it is apart from Pastor Joe or whoever. and uh, Especially if they're a founding pastor. Right, right. yeah, and, or a long-term pastor. Because if you call a pastor too quickly, uh, the word is that he becomes an unintentional interim. <laughs> you know, he does, it doesn't last very long. Mm-hmm. So uh, the last interim pastor I did was just, it was wonderful for the church, wonderful for me, uh, just really, really good. But uh, since well, really for the last uh, 10 years or so, uh, I have been the man in the pew. That's when I, that's when we came to Ponte Vedra. Uh-huh. And one of our first uh, memories there, I think, for our first Sunday there, uh, you were speaking or you were up front. Yeah, I remember I you remember, came up and introduced yourself. I think we met that very yeah, first that Sunday. Might, that, might, that might be. Yeah. yeah. And then it wasn't too long till you left. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, you. Um, I, I know we got to take our last break, but I, I want our listeners. If you are taking care of a family member who has health issues, if you have people in your life that are doing that, uh, you might want to really tune in to this next segment after the break. I'm going to get Jerry to share a little bit of personal ministry in his own family uh, as he's walked through uh, dealing with his wife Betty and helping her deal with Alzheimer's uh, and it, it's been a very big challenge for him they, they've they been married 55 years and uh, and this just popped up really about five years ago and I think it would be encouraging for you uh, it's a difficult task no doubt and so uh, might be a good time to let somebody know they might want to tune in. 91.7 here in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, 91.3 in Folkestone. 
Um, you know, you can listen on the Lighthouse and tell them up in uh, Virginia, WMER and Meridian, or just tell them to go to SWATradio.com and click on the Listen Live link. We're going to be right back with the last segment with Jerry Rouse on SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Look down from a broken sky Traced out by the city lights My world from a mile high Best seat in the house tonight Touchdown in the cold black top Hold on for the sudden stop Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. We are uh, in the studio today with uh, uh, Jerry Rouse, and I'm so glad to have Jerry. And Jerry is... um, you know, um, Jerry's just a, a great brother in the Lord who loves the word, just like he said earlier. And, you know, Jerry, I don't know if you know this stat. One, one men's ministry did a survey uh, in, uh, I don't know, thousands of evangelical churches. And uh, the, they came back with the figure that men who call themselves Christians read the Bible. 90% read the Bible less than one hour a year. That's just unbelievable. Unbelievable, yeah. Because that, that, that is how God leads us through his word. And if you don't know his word, how are we going to know him? Because that's how he's revealed himself to us. Well, um, I, I wanted Jerry to get a little personal with us um, when um, uh, he talks about his wife. He, he's been married 55 years to Betty. And... Um, you know, Alzheimer's is something people read about, they hear about it, um, but until it strikes close, you really have no idea of the devastation of it. Most people think it's just a memory thing, you lose your memory, but it's much more than that, isn't it, Jerry? It, it really is, and let me just uh, back up a little bit, if I might. Um, Betty and I were grew up in the same town, uh, went to the same high school a couple of years apart, but um, we've, we've been married uh, 55 years. It hasn't been a perfect marriage, but I can tell you it has been a good marriage. Um, 
she is the, really the only one I've ever really loved, and uh, she has taught me a lot. Uh, we've just really, in many ways, when the Bible says two shall become one, we've really experienced, as a lot of you have, a lot of that oneness. Um, it, it's way beyond the romance of the day. But um, You think you're in love when you get married, but oh, you grow oh, in love, don't yeah, you? You really do. And I, because we're from... Uh, because we're from the the hills of East Tennessee, I, I tell people because we're hillbillies, we got married in the third grade. You know? But we've our our lives have just been so intertwined and joined for all these years. Uh, she has walked really as a as a pastor's wife. She's been very low key, not up front behind the scenes, but just supporting me and our children in a in a really great way. But about um, I don't know exactly when, but. Uh, after I had sort of, quote, retired uh, six or seven years ago, began to notice a little bit of slippage with Betty. And at, and at first, just thinking, well, we're both getting older, and this is just uh, common memory loss and forgetfulness and so on. But uh, things just gradually went downhill. Our family doctor finally sent us to a neurologist, and uh, Betty was tested and so on. And uh, the neurologist uh, medicated use some medication and so uh things were going along reasonably okay but we could just see the downward cycle but in um in early 2019 the the doctor said uh, this is not going well at home i I was really committed to taking care of betty at home Mm -hmm. as long as i could our daughter uh moved down from minnesota daughter and son-in-law lived with me to help take care of betty our son in tampa did what he could i've had good family support but frankly, things deteriorated to the point that we could not take care of Betty at home. Um, I know that's hard for some people to hear, but uh, we could not keep her safe. And I won't go into all the details, but uh, it was it was terrible. That it, had to be devastating for you personally, too. Just. Absol- absolutely devastating. And uh, you know, it, it was. Was just, she aware when when she went? I mean, not to delve too much, but was was she able like? When when she went in to the care place, were, were you was she recognizing you then still or? Oh yes, and she still does. She recognizes me to this day. I see her a couple times a week. Uh-huh. Uh She and she's very affectionate. When she first went into the care, the first three or four months were really awful, uh, just mm. really terrible. But now I can say today she is much more satisfied and peaceful there mm-hmm. than she was at home. When she was at home for a couple of years, uh, our neighborhood was great. Neighbors would help me find her. The police would help me find her. Because uh, she, she was getting out oh, I mean, in yes, a way and, quite a bit. And she would, uh, she would uh, at 2 o'clock in the morning, she'd pack her suitcase and be angry at me because uh, I wouldn't let her walk to Tennessee to see her mother, oh, who, my. who's been dead for 20 years, you mm. know. So that kind of thing, but uh, finally the neurologist said she has to be in a care a, a care place, and uh, so that that's uh, you know I've known about Alzheimer's in my head, but boy, when it hits like this, it's a whole different ball game. But uh, we've had good good support and help, and uh, Betty's doing quite quite well today. But it's still the the mental decline is still going on. Well. Um believe it or not i I saw one stat that said that there is over six million people 
that are 65 and older with Alzheimer's. Oh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Six million. Yeah. That is yeah. a lot of people yeah. that require a lot of care. A lot of care. And just talk a little bit, as believers, I mean, we have hope and we pray, and but sometimes when we pray, we still have to deal with the brokenness of our world. We, we and, do. And talk a little bit about that in your own personal journey, I'm, Jerry. I, I I thank you. That's a good. It's uh, a good thought. I'm. I can gratefully say that as this has uh, unfolded and and gotten worse, frankly, through the months, uh, I've really not struggled spiritually with God. Why did you allow this? Why don't you do this? When will you? That kind of thing. I really have not struggled with that. Uh, I've accepted the uh, because of my theology of. The fact that we live on a stained planet, an imperfect world where stuff happens, this is part of the stuff. Mm-hmm. It's nobody's fault, per se. Uh, so it doesn't make it any less painful, it, though, does it? It, it doesn't, but uh, what I'm learning is that people say to me, well, Jerry, how are you doing? And I can say, uh, well, right now I'm okay, but uh, I still experience grief. I experience pain. I experience loss. Sometimes... I mean, I'm a pretty outgoing person, but sometimes I'm lonely, mm-hmm. even with uh, our daughter and son-in-law living with me. Uh, so I'm trying to be realistic about that. This is this is a challenge. It's a mountain. But on the other, so if you say, Jerry, are you hurting? I say, yes, I hurt like I've never hurt in my life. But let me tell you the other side. I have the peace of God in my heart, mm. and those are not those are not um, contradictory of each other. So mm-hmm. I think we can be real about the human pain. And still say, my faith is strong. God is there, uh, and I really do. I can say right now, look you in the face and say, the the peace of God keeps my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Mm, that's yeah. great. Well, yeah. well, what would you say to somebody who's out there, and maybe they know somebody like you, maybe a woman whose husband has it, or maybe a a a, a, a man whose wife has uh, Alzheimer's. They're struggling. And they don't know what to say to help them. They don't know what to say to encourage them. Like, what what kind of encouragement could you give to a fellow believer out there who wants to minister but is a little awkward about how to approach somebody? Like, they, they just don't know what to say. Yeah, that's, that's good. And I have to tell you, Doug, I'm not sure what to say either to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's a, a, a good approach. It is hard to talk about. Uh, I mean, do you want people? I'm just for you personally. Oh, Let me just I, say to you personally, like I see you at Sarah Grill. We see you where our families eat there and, you yeah. know, and we see you there. And sometimes I just want to say, hey, Jerry, come over here and eat. Yeah. But other times I thought, well, maybe he just wants to to be alone. And, and you know and, what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I do. And 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 actually, for me, it's it's always good to ask uh-huh. Uh because I'll be honest enough to say if I can't or if it's a bad time, I'll say thanks, Doug. But. Maybe another time. Let me take a rain check. But uh, I, I think be, one thing I've, I'm having to deal with right now, you know, as a pastor all these years, sometimes I've had young people say, well, the church is so couples-oriented, you know, the whole fifth, <laughs> fifth wheel thing. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm feeling that a little bit more right now because the loss I feel, Betty is still living, but the things that have, have made our marriage so good, uh, trust and communication and problem solving and forgiveness and laughing and all those things 
the things that have really bonded us together, practically those things are gone. Mm -hmm. Th those things are gone. And that does leave a, a loneliness in me. So I'm having to define what, what constitutes legitimate friendship where I love my wife and she's here and I want to be with her. But so I, I don't know the answer to that exactly, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to be wise and, uh, and good about how to, to approach that. But I like being with people. Uh, I'm not looking for anybody else, but I, I need men friends. And frankly, sometimes I need some women friends too. Mm -hmm. So I just want to be real careful about what constitutes uh, something that's safe and good. Yeah, but, and th those are some very complicated thoughts, really, to work are. through. They are. Um, you know, and um, I, I just I appreciate you being willing to to open up a little bit about it. Uh, I, again, one of the things I really appreciate is that as you walk through the pain, and I've asked you how you're doing, you've been honest. Uh, you know, to. someday. Some days you're uh, kind of tough today. I'm, I'm, I miss my wife, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think as believers, my encouragement would be don't be afraid to talk to people who are going through difficult times Absolutely. and, uh, and just say, I, you know, Hey, I just want you to know, I care. I yeah, care that, about you. That means a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jerry, lot. our time is up, man. I told you it would fly. It will uh, fast. I, I really am grateful that you came in today. I hope you share this program with somebody. If you're listening today, uh, you can go to www.swatradio.com and click on the past programs link. Just put in Jerry. I haven't had that many Jerry's on, so J-E-R-R-Y should come up if you do a search. Uh, it should be posted a little later tonight. And share it with a friend. Uh, and if you want Jerry to come speak at your church or Bible study, just don't be afraid to send me an email at Doug at SWATradio.com. Taylor will be back on with me tomorrow, and uh, we'll kind of close out the week. Jerry, thank you again for being on here. Pray for Betty and pray for Jerry. My privilege. Thanks right. for having me. It's been good. All right. Y'all have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow on SWAT Radio. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual